before we jump into the sermon, a couple of quick things. Um, tonight, the junior high is meeting uh, for their crazy night. So if you're in junior high, make sure that you make your way over to the Grace Impact Center tonight for crazy night. And then tomorrow night is the New Year's Eve party for the high school. Um, it's going to be amazing. And I know the weather may be a little uh, tentative or whatever else, but from a parent's perspective, you can just drop your kids off and they're in there all night. They're not going to be driving around, not going to be doing anything, you know, crazy. Well, they can do a lot of crazy things, but they'll be inside that nice building with a lot of adult supervision. So it's going to be awesome. So we're going to, we're going to, it's going to go on. David said it's going to go on. So, um, make sure that you kind of tonight, junior high, tomorrow night, high school, it's going to be fantastic. Also, um, People have been asking, and you think, you make this stuff up. No, this is what people ask me all the time. Why don't you set up a way to give online? And there's, you know, we have the automatic withdrawal thing we've set up, but we have a new system we're setting up for the entire church, and part of that is for you to have the ability to give um, online. I know the year-end coming, year-end giving, you're looking at your taxes and all that kind of thing. If you come to the last moment, you want to do that, you can go online and you can actually give online. You have to go on the website, set it all up, you're able to, and you're able to do that. All right? So I uh, just want to let you know because so many of you have been asking me. All right. See, I, I have, I'm, I, I can, I, if I take my glasses off, I can't really see you very well. But then if I look down, it's hard to see also. So uh, I'm, I'm going to keep my glasses on, I believe, because I want to see your faces very clearly and who's sleeping in the back and who's not. <laughs> if I take my glasses off, you say, some people say to me, you look like you're looking right at me. I can't tell if it's you or your wife uh, <laughs> without my glasses, all right? Um, hey, as we go through this, we're going to continue our, our series, Touch One, this morning. We're going to continue that series for the next couple of weeks. And what I'd like to do is talk about some topics, talk about some issues that are really facing the 21st century church. Some things we really need to be talking about, because if we're going to touch the lives of others, we need to make sure we have our own lives in order first. We're talking about reaching out how we impact the lives of those around us, and that's really important. But I think what happens in the church sometimes is we talk about way out there, we don't talk sometimes about way in here, what's going on in our own lives, in our own hearts. So we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about some topics that, that really deal with the issues that you and I face every single day, things that we struggle with every single day. This week, um, there was kind of an impromptu time of gathering of students within the church uh, to really talk about their friend who was lost last Wednesday night. Her name was Jess, and I know many of you heard this on TV. Uh, Jess is 18 years old, and she was driving on I-71, and her car lost control, and she, she lost her life. And the students wanted to come together, many of her friends, and it really outgrew anyone's house, so they said, can you just open up the church? Jess didn't go here. She goes to Christ Church at Mason, and her family are strong Christians, but her friends who cohere wanted to have that time. And so we opened up the church doors and they came in and it was a lot of students. And I sat in the back. Um, I didn't know her. And I knew a lot of the students that were here, but I didn't know her. And I listened to her friends give testimony about her life. And I was awed. The impact that an 18-year-old had on the lives of so many, the impact that she had, all I could think of was, what kind, look at the impact this 18-year-old had on the kingdom of God. 
Look at the influence that she had on so many of her friends. And one story really struck out, to, stuck out to me. And it was, it's a simple thing, but her friend was saying when they were both freshmen, you know, you go into a new school and you have all these new rules. And, 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 she, and as an adult, you have to go back with me to junior high and the beginning of high school. Her friend went into gym class and forgot her shorts. And you know, and you think, oh, big deal. Well, when you remember when you were in ninth grade and you forgot your shorts and the gym teacher, usually some burly guy with a real obnoxious, you know, didn't have too much. Now you, I, know some, I know some teachers now that teach, you know, uh, athletics and things like that, so I'm not picking on you. But when I was growing up, these guys weren't too bright. But um, so, you know, so she was really nervous about the fact that she didn't have her shorts. And it's a big deal. Some of these things are a really big deal when you're growing up. And she forgot her shorts and she was stressing out about it. She was really, she said she was almost at a point of tears. And, and Jess, who was her friend, took her shorts and gave her shorts to her friend to wear to gym. And Jess wore her own jeans and went into gym and got in trouble for wearing jeans instead of her friend getting into trouble. Jess took the punishment for her friend and gave up something, her, her, her shorts, so that she wouldn't have to take the punishment. She was so stressed out about it. I, I'm sorry, but you can come up with a lot of things that are Christ-like. My friends, that's Christ-like. That is really, to give up something for someone else and then to take the punishment for that person. She got in trouble. She probably, you know, after school, whatever the case may be. But she took the punishment for her friend. And I thought to myself, if we reflect on our own lives, what kind of impact, I don't care if I'm 50, what kind of impact have I had for the kingdom of God at 50 years old? What kind of influence have I had on the lives of others at 50 years old? For the sake of Christ, how have I influenced others for the sake of Christ? And I think that we all need, I don't want you to feel guilty. It's not, a, I don't, I can't stand making people feel guilty. That's not what we're talking about here. It's more a reflection of looking at your life and where you are right now and where God wants you to be. Maria Robinson wrote, I love this, nobody can go back and start a new beginning, Right? No one can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Anyone can start today and make a new ending. We're entering a new year. And New Year's brings with it challenges and it brings with it hope. Now, there are some people sitting here this morning and you're thinking, thank God 2012 is over. Right? Honestly, honestly, 2011 was like that for me. When New Year's came around 2011, I said, good riddance to 2011. Because it was, it was, it was a lot, there was a lot of stress in my life. A lot of things going on. A lot of challenges that we had to face as a family, you know, in in the last few years. Going into 2013, 2012 has probably been one of the best years of my life. But 2011, so many of you are thinking of 2012 Good riddance to 2012. I'm glad it's over because there's something about a new year. You think about it. You know, younger, older, doesn't matter. You think about it's breaking free from the past. Okay, that that year is finished. The things that happened in that year. Now, this is a new, fresh start for me. I get to start over. It's the new year. And so you're excited about that new year. You, You see the opportunity to change old patterns of thought. You see the opportunity to, to, to change old patterns in your life, the way that you were living out your life. And you're saying, this 
is over, I can start again. New Year's is, is like walking into the unknown. We get to set all new goals. We can say, and I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions and everything. I'm talking about being able to stay, say to yourself, you know what? I can set new goals. That was the past. This is the present. On with the future. 2013, I'm going to set some new goals. Well, Joshua and the people of Israel, the children of Israel, had a goal. And it was to cross the Jordan to conquer Jericho on their way to taking the promised land that God had given them. But on the way to doing that, they were going to face a, big cha- a lot of challenges, but a big challenge. There's always, I was, as I was reading this, I thought to myself, you'll, and you'll appreciate this if you're past two, um, there, there's always a challenge, isn't there? It's like you have this, it's right there, but there's, there's always that challenge facing you. you have, it's like you can see your dream right there, but it's right across the river. It's right on the other side of the river. It's right there, it's in your grasp, but it's just right on the other side of the river. You, you're not able to, so they, weren't a, they wanted to, they had this challenge in their lives to cross the Jordan. The problem was the Jordan was at flood stage. It was at flood stage. So they had to go across the Jordan at flood stage. It was the time of the harvest. And during the time of the harvest, the snow melts on the mountains, and that snow comes down, and it, it just causes a torrent of water. So the river was basically overflowing its banks. It was, it was a real challenge. It was such a challenge. Have you, and I, have you ever noticed that whatever goals and dreams that you have, they always come with roadblocks and pitfalls, right? They come with roadblocks. It does every, every dream that I've ever had, every vision that God has ever given me has always come with roadblocks and pitfalls. Again, you can see, you can see it right there on the other side of the river. I can't remember, I can't remember one vision that God has ever given me that was easy to achieve, not one. I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, you know, at the end of every, you said, at the end of every rainbow, for me, it's like at the end of every rainbow, there's, a, there's an army of angry leprechauns waiting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you think, yes, at the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold. Yeah, but it's surrounded, the pot of gold, your pot of gold, if you will, whatever that dream or that is for you, is surrounded by angry leprechauns. It's never easy. If you are going to follow God's will for your life, if you are going to want to do some dynamic things in the years to come, you are going to face enormous challenges. Enormous challenges. So this morning, I want to walk with you through six ways. There are six ways that we can overcome the challenges in our lives. Six ways that we can overcome these challenges and and impact not only our own lives, but the lives of others in 2013. Number one of the six, take the first step. Write that down. It's hard to remember. Take the first step. If you want to see change in your life, if you truly want to see change in your life, it's going to take action. It's going to take some action. Talk is cheap. It's cheap. You know, you think, oh, I want to do this, and I would like to achieve that, and I would like to build this, and I would like to have that. Talk is cheap. Man, if you want some of these things in your life, if you want to walk on the water, you need to get out of the boat. 
Before you can start walking on the water and taking on these things, you need to get out of the boat. You need to take some action. This is what Joshua had to do. Joshua's plan was not easy. The the flooded Jordan was over a mile wide, and it was his responsibility to get two million men, women, and children across safely. Now, I think we can all relate to this when it comes to kind of reaching out and, and, and taking risks. Because when, and I'm projecting here on him, I am projecting, but when, it was, when it's just you, remember maybe when you were younger and before you were married, or maybe you're empty nesters now and you're able to, to step out and do some things that you weren't able to do before. When it's just, when it's just you, you're able to take some risks. You're able, you, you feel more comfortable taking risks because it's only your life you're risking. But when you add a family and you add employees, you just can't leap before you look. So I agree with a lot of people that, that, that say, that they'll say, you know, it, you know, before you step out, you really need to consider the cost when you're trying to follow God's lead. And I agree with that. I really do. I agree that you need to consider the cost before you step out. When God is beginning to lead you somewhere, you need to think it through. You need to consider the cost. But once you understand where God is leading you, you need to act. You need to move. You need to step forward. If you, if, if you say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I almost separate out people who just call themselves Christians in general to followers of Christ. And if you're saying, I'm a follower of Christ, you have to understand something. Jesus is never standing still. He's going somewhere. So if you're a follower of Christ, you need to make sure you're following after him. You know where he's going. You're following after him. Because when God clearly lays out for you, or just, I don't mean clearly in a sense he gives you all the details, because God doesn't give you all the details, but when you understand where God is taking you, you need to move. Henry David Thoreau wrote this. He said, we must walk consciously only part way toward our goal and then leap in the dark to our success. I like that. We want to walk part way, part way, consciously, conscientiously, whatever words you want to use, Maybe a little, even a little bit cautiously, part way. But then, when you, if you really want to succeed, you've got to leap. You've got to take that step of faith. You need to get in the water. You need to walk out onto the water if you really want to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And this is what Joshua and the people of Israel were facing. This is what they had to do. See, if you want to create a strong family, if you want to build a successful business then you are going to have to lead. At some point, you're going to have to lead. And if you are going to have to lead, at some point, you're going to have to take risks. If you're a leader, you're going to have to take risks. And I'm not talking about, you say, well, I'm not really a leader. Well, if if you're a mom or a dad, you're a leader. If you run a business, you're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. You're a leader. And if you're a leader, at some point you're going to need to take some risks. I thought to myself as I was was writing this and studying this passage, I thought, was it a risk to take my children on mission trips every single year, sometimes to places that weren't very safe? And the answer is yes. It strengthened their faith. It really strengthened their faith. My children didn't grow up in a religion of no, no, no. And that's what happens sometimes in church. 
Churches will have this attitude. It's like, you know, I'm not going to church because church is all about not and no. My kids didn't grow up in a religion. Christianity is not a religion of no, no, no. They grew up in a go, go, go relationship with a living God. That's who they grew up with. They grew up in a relationship. They understood that they needed to go. They needed to go. They needed to go in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They grew up moving forward in a personal relationship with a living God. Not some dead, dried up old religion that says, no, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that. That's not how my kids live their lives. We need to step out in faith. Sometimes you need to step into the water and it doesn't always look like it's going to be that safe. It doesn't, you know, sometimes, you know, people say, you know, I, I see God is, he give me a vision and here's the vision, but here's where you are. And then you're waiting for God to kind of fill in the blanks. He's going to fill in the blanks, but he's not going to do it while you're standing here. You're going to have to go through a process. God is in the details. If you wait for him to fill in all the details before you move, you're never going to move because he's not going to fill in the details and take it from me. If he did, you'd be too frightened to get up. If he told, if God told me in just self-sustaining enterprises, if God told me when it comes to Grace Chapel, when God told me with back-to-back ministry, if he told me what it would cost, what it would take to get to this point, I'm not sure I would have gotten out of the boat. Because I would have said to myself, do I have the strength, do I have what it takes to, to move these things forward? And honestly, I don't have what it takes to move things forward to that degree. But, I, but that's not the issue. God is in the details. And, and God lives in me. And the Holy Spirit works through me. And God surrounds us with the body of Christ, with people with other gifts, talents, and abilities. So we need to step out recognizing not just who we are, but who He is and those who, are, who He's given that are all around us. We need to make those moves. I agree with H. Jackson Brown Jr. who said, never let the odds keep you from doing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. Never let the odds keep you from doing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. Some of you stare right in the face of a giant. You you have a vision, but the giants are lined up. And so you're afraid. And you don't want to try to go past them. Never let the odds keep you from doing what you know in your heart you were meant to do. You know in your heart you were meant to do it. You know. Maybe not alone. You take an army with you. You take some people with you. But you know you were meant to do something. And I want to tell you something. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure what you, what you were meant to do, I, I just want to give you a little slight encouragement here. There are so many things in this world that are wrong, that need champions, I don't care if you're seven or eight years old here or 87 years old this morning. There are things in this world that need a champion. I, I, watch, I watch how students, you know, all the great revivals of our time were most, most of them started by high school and college students. Most. I have watched high school and junior high students and children younger than junior high get passionate about an issue bring the adults' attention to that issue and see the lives of young, other young children all over the world totally transformed. 
because they believed that God could use them. They believed that God could use them in a powerful, powerful way. My friends, there's a time to be safe, and then there's a time to step out in faith, and I say error on the side of faith. Because if you don't, you're going to be laying in your deathbed as an old man or an old woman saying, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and what a totally, what a, to- what a terrible thing that would be for any of our lives to think back and say, if I would have only, if I would have only, Joshua could have waited until that water went down, but he didn't. He took action. He moved forward. Joshua 3.1 says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing, crossing over. Now, Jordan, now, now Joshua didn't camp okay, there because he was procrastinating. But so many of us, okay, so many of us don't move forward. Because we're, we, we see what's going on and we kind of we get nervous and, and, and so we, we, we put things off as long as we can when we're confronted with difficulties and, and risks. We kind of put things off, but doesn't that just make things worse? It just makes things worse. We, we, put, we put it off. We put it off. And it just makes things worse. You know, that's a lesson that God has taught me over the past few years. God has taught me some, some powerful lessons, and that's one of them. I spent way too much time considering the costs and risks and, 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 and not taking swifter action. Now, there are some of you sitting here this morning that are about to fall off your chair. And you know me for a long time, and you're saying, are, they're saying, are you kidding me? What, what on earth are you talking about? They're, 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 you're, you're sitting there, you're, you're about to choke, okay, because you're thinking you, you take way too many risks and, 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 you know, and don't count the cost enough. And I would say to you this morning, you are absolutely right in some situations. But in other situations, I have not done that. I have counted the cost too much. I've thought through the risks. I've played chess in my head. I know what God was calling me to do. I know, what the, I know the right decision. I know the decision I had to make, but I was not making it in a swift manner. I was thinking through and weighing this and deciding that and how would this affect that and how would that person affect this person. So in some cases, you're right, you should fall off your chair. That's what I was saying, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in other areas of my life, I needed to take more swift action. I needed to move more quickly in those areas. And over the last two, two years or so, even two or three years, I'm a different leader than I was two or three years ago. I'm a completely different leader in that area. 30,000 foot view, watch out, here I come. Whoop, right into the darkness, I'll leap. But down here, God needed to work on my heart a little bit and tell me to stop worrying so much about what might happen. Just make, those, make the choice. I told you what to do, do it. And that's all of us. Every single one of us is continually growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Every single one of us needs to continue to move forward. That's what the lesson that God has taught me. This year, when we're faced with these challenges, when we're faced with these difficulties, when we're faced with overwhelming odds, we, we, need, we need to not procrastinate when God calls us clearly to do something. I'm going to stop here for a second. You know how we, we would say, uh, you know, get it, and you say, and I say, good. Let's try that again. Get it? Good. Okay. I want you to do that this morning. Because there are times in your life, 
And there are times right now where God is calling you to do something and you're facing some challenges and you won't move forward. You're procrastinating. And if you're going to do that and you're going to do that and you're going to bring that same policy or that same attitude into the next year, it's going to hold you back. Get it? Good. All right. Now, number two. Number two. We need to seek and follow godly leaders. We need to seek and follow godly leaders. In Joshua chapter two, 3, verses 2 and 3, we read this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. God calls each one of us to follow spiritual leaders. There are people in your life, there are spiritual, you should have spiritual leaders in your life that you are willing to follow. God calls us to follow our leaders. You only, you only need to go back one generation to realize that when Israel did not follow its leader, the result of that, the result of disobedience. Remember what happened to the forefathers, their forefathers in, in Israel? They died in the desert because they would not follow Moses' leadership. Joshua, on the other hand, followed Moses from the very beginning, and he was blessed. He was continually blessed. We make so many mistakes. We miss out on God's blessing so many times because we ignore the counsel to follow the leadership that God has put in our lives. God has put people in your lives, and he's telling you, follow your leaders. Follow the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life. Listen to them. Because if you don't listen to the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life, you're going to make so many mistakes that you didn't have to make. You're going to miss out on so many amazing opportunities that you didn't have to miss out on. But man, you're going to do your own thing. You're not going to listen to that person. They can't tell me. We're in a culture that kind of lays that out. Man, you don't have to listen to that person. You do your own thing, whatever. That sounds, just, that sounds just wonderful, but watch these people's lives from beginning to end and see how well it turns out for them. We need to listen sometimes to the godly wisdom that, that, that the Lord has placed around us. And when we do that, we'll avoid so many of the difficulties that we face. We need to make sure we're not bringing those same habits the 2012 and before habits into 2013. We need to make sure we're living new lives, renewing our minds and living our lives in a different way for Jesus Christ. Get it? Good. Now, number three, we need to seek out God's presence. We need to seek out God's presence. If you don't know where you're going, you better wait for directions. Men, if you don't know where you're going, you better wait for directions. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, it says this, Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. The people needed to listen closely and follow directions because they were going into new territory. I don't know about you, but I have no idea what 2013 is going to bring. I don't know what it's going to look like for me. I don't know what it's going to look like for my family. I don't know what it's going to look like for our ministry. And if that's the case, don't you think I should be staying very close, seeking the presence of the one who knows all those things? We need to seek the presence of God in our lives. We don't know what 2013 is going to bring. We didn't know what 2012 was going to bring. 
We need to seek the presence of God in our lives, just as the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence and God's guidance in their lives. We need to spend time seeking the presence of God as we go into a new year. We need to seek God's presence. Don't do not just continue to do the things that you were doing the year before because if you think about it, if you continue to do the things you were doing the years before, you're going to be in the same place. Isn't that what got you lost? Isn't that, what, that, what, that what, isn't that what led you off track? Don't continue to do the things you did before. Seek the presence of God. Seek God's presence. Get it? Good. Number four, we need to live godly lives. We need to live godly lives. In, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You know, God's people, people were called to lay aside anything that was displeasing to God. God said, Joshua told them, Consecrate yourselves. Lay aside anything in your life that's displeasing to God. The bottom line is sin keeps us from living out our purpose. And I tell you what, I'm sorry, but, you know, churches are getting to the point where if you you can't say the word sin and you can't say the word repent and you can't use those terms anymore because somehow some people are going to get offended or whatever else. Goodness me, people. The reality is that there's sin in your lives and some of that, for some of us, that sin is keeping us from, be, from living out God's purpose for our lives. So what are we supposed to do? Dance around it? Pretend it doesn't exist? Joshua's telling people, consecrate yourselves. God's going to do something amazing tomorrow, but today you've got to consecrate yourself. You need to lay aside that sin that's kept you from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. It's what takes you off tracks, track and stops you from reaching God's goals for you and his dreams for you, from doing amazing things. It says, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. Some people are sitting here, I don't know, maybe in junior high or high school, and you're saying, and you talk about all these things and slaying giants and fighting lions and all that kind of stuff. I don't see that kind of passion in my own life. I don't see those kind of miracles in my life. I don't see amazing things happening in my life. Maybe, just maybe, it's because you have some things in your life that you need to let go of, that you need to repent of, so that God can begin to use you in those amazing ways. Instead of turning to God and saying, I don't believe that if there was a God, why isn't he blah, blah, blah? How about going to your own life and saying, what is it in my life that is holding me back from fulfilling all that God has for me? <laughs> People say, oh, man, Christianity's boring. You're boring. God's not boring. I'm telling you, the, the, the last thing God is boring. Okay, you may not agree with everything he wants to do in your life. You may not agree how everything gets handled in the world or whatever else. You may question or challenge or whatever else. But the one thing my God is not is boring. And if you think he's boring, it's not because of the way he's, what he's doing. It's because of what you're doing. It's because of how I'm living my life. Not because of what God wants to do in my life. Before you start a new year, you need to rethink some of the decisions that you've made in the past and ask God to forgive you for some of the choices that you've been making in the past. Simple. You need to repent. There's a word. Ask God to forgive you 
and then move in a direction that takes you closer to him and closer to that dynamic, faith-filled, passionate, giant-killing life that you and I really want to live. But before we can go that far, we need to do the first thing, and that's ask God to forgive us. Bill Meyer, a baseball coach in the early 20th century, said this. I love it. Every thought is a seed. See, we need to renew our minds going into the new year. You need to think differently. Every thought is a seed. If you plant crab apples, don't count on harvesting golden delicious. Right? See, we're planting crab apples. We go around planting crab apples, and then we want God to do something amazing. We want, we want to get those, was it Henry, Harry and David, right? That's what the pears. Those things are good, man. If you have any extra, right here. Those are good. But I can't go around planting some, some crab apple seeds and then expecting to get some pears like that in my life. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Be the person who opens up their life and says, God, use me. Come and get me. Take me. Use me. Put a sword in my hand and show me where the mountain is, Lord. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Some of you thinking, oh, I'm too young. Some others think, ah, I'm too old. Life's passing by. Remember what Caleb said? Remember what he said? I'm 85 years old. I'm just as strong to go into battle today as the day Moses sent me out. You're still breathing. God has a plan for you, and God can use you in powerful, powerful ways. We need to reject our old way of thinking. We need to repent and ask God for forgiveness and strength so that we don't repeat the same mistakes that we made the year before. Get it? No. Get it? Good. Number five, we need to always put our trust in God. Joshua 3, 9 through 13, it says, Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how we will know that the, 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 the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Prezites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. See the ark. Now, if you ever get stuck in a Bible study and they want you to read something like that, just say those words with confidence and fast, man. No one will challenge you at all. All right. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the, all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from among the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. God promised that they would overcome the nations that were in their way, that were occupying the land that he had given to them. See, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life, and he wants us to live it out. He wants us to experience every little bit of it. He wants us, you know, you ever, ever eat something and it's so good, you kind of lick your fingers? You want to get every last taste of it. Grater's black raspberry chip ice cream. Let me lick the bowl, baby. That's not, none of it's going down the sink. That stuff is, I worship when I eat that. No, thank you, God. I just love it. And that's what we need to do. We need to savor every single moment that God wants us to have every drop of what he has for our lives. But to make that a reality, you need to listen and you need to trust him. You need to take time to listen and to trust him. Verse 9 says, come and hear and listen. Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Come here. I want to do something with someone. I'm going to, I'm going to stand this way and I'm going to say something. Well, I can't do that. 
I'm going to stay, I'm going to see if I, hold on one second. Come here and listen to the words of your pastor. Is that good? Yeah, see? What I said to her was, and I said over here was, come to the office this week because I have a $20, $25 gift certificate for you to go to graders, take your friends to graders. But... The Lord, and so the pastor said, come near and draw close to me so you can hear the words of your pastor. The Lord says, come near to me and hear what I have to say to you. You can't hear him if you don't draw near, if you don't come near. I want to challenge you not to make a New Year's resolution. Resolutions don't last. To make a commitment that you're going to spend some tw- quiet time with God in 2013. Commit to somebody else. Tell someone, this is what I'm committing to do. And ask them to keep you accountable. Set aside some time. Fight for the time. But set aside time. You can't trust God if you don't know God. See, I need you to know God because I'm going to ask you to do some crazy and wild things in the years to come. But you're not going to want to step out because you're not going to trust God because you don't know Him. If you're not involved in a life group, if you're not involved in an impact group, if you're not involved in a men's or women's Bible study, you're not going to get to know him the way you should know him. And so you're not going to step out in faith. You're not going to step out in faith and trust a God you don't know. It's just reality. It's just reality. And you won't be able to hear his voice if you're not listening. And in order to listen, you need to draw close to him. Because he speaks so often in gentle whispers. In a gentle whisper. Not to the earthquake, not to the wind, not to, but to a gentle whisper. We need to know him better. Get it? Good. Number six, last, we need to have faith. The river fell only, only when the priests put their tootsies into the water, okay, when they actually started walking into the water. The, the water was not going down. They didn't walk, they didn't get within five feet and go, man, it looks kind of wild. Now, Lord, we're this close. Now you do something. We did this. We came this far. Now you do something. No, it didn't go down until they put their feet in the water. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who are carrying the Ark of the, of the uh, reach, Ark reach the Jordan and their feet touch the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zaranath. Where the, where the water flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, which I find very interesting, not wettish kind of dry ground, in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. We're back to the beginning. We're back to the beginning. Taking a step of faith always takes risk. If, if, if you're going to take a step of faith, it always involves risk. You, you say, I want to do this. I feel like God is calling me to do this, but I'm afraid to do this. My friends, faith 
always brings with it risk. It does all the time. See, the problem is for us. Here's our problem. The problem is so many of you want to know the end result before you put your toes in the water. You want to know what's coming before you put your toes in the water. I said this before. Here's where you are. Here's the vision that God has for you. You want to get there, but you want God to give you all the details before you start to walk. It's not going to happen because the faith journey is what really matters. Faith isn't really faith until it's all you're holding on to. Faith isn't really faith until it's all you're holding on to. God is not going to give you all the details. He's not going to do it. You need, if you truly want to follow God, if you truly want to fulfill his vision for your life, you need to step out onto the water. So many people, in so many people's lives, there is a battle between fear and faith. They are locked in a battle of fear and faith. But this battle is for your very life, for your future. And there can be only one winner if you're going to change your life. If you truly, if you sincerely want to change your life this morning, anything that's your personality flaws, the things of your past that you want to overcome, the abuse that you went through, all, if you want to overcome those things and become a different person, there can be only one winner between fear and faith, and it has to be faith. It has to be faith. We need to hold on to that faith. We need to overcome our fear. Let me give you two surefire ways to overcome fear. One, the first one, attack it, man. Attack it. I talked about this the last couple of weeks. Attack it. Go after it with all your heart. I agree with Eleanor Roosevelt. She said this, do, do one thing every day that scares you. Do one thing every day that scares you. Because here's the truth. Here's just the, 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 the truth. If you, want, if you wait to do everything, if you wait to do everything until you feel safe, you will most likely not do anything for God. If you wait to do everything until you feel safe, you will most likely not do anything for your God. Second, if you want to build your faith and overcome your fear, you need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. You need to remember what God has done in the past. When, when I'm confronted with troubled waters, I need to remember God's works. I need to remember God's, what God has done, his actions of the past. You know, he's the, he is the God. We worship a God who parted the sea, who walked on water, who calmed the storm, who piled up the Jordan so they can walk across on dry ground. That is the God whom we worship. That's the God that we worship. I know many of you are, are facing some troubled waters right now, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, whether it's at home. See, here's what you need to know. You need to understand that no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenges you guys are facing right now, you have a God who can overcome it. You have a God who can deal with it. You have a God who can help you face it. God will help you walk through whatever struggles you're facing in your life right now. The story of Joshua crossing the Jordan is just another reminder that we worship a God who can change the course of our lives as easily as he can change the course of a river. And as we go into a new year, as we walk into a new year, we need to understand be, that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we can recapture the person that we were created to be. 
as you walk into 2013, you can know by faith and for sure that God can change your life. You can be a different person walking into 2013. You can be renewed, restored, refreshed, start over. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And because of what he did on the cross, I have the power to become a different person in the coming year. But that will never happen, my friends. That will never happen until we break old patterns. Because until you break that old pattern, the new life cannot emerge. Until you break the old patterns of the way you're living, that new life cannot emerge. Together, as the body of Christ, standing with Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, there is nothing that you are not able to accomplish in the coming years. But you need to believe that. You need to step out of the boat. You need to walk up to the edge and put your foot in the water. You need to make that move. You need to have the boldness and the strength and the faith to know that if you step out, God is going to carry you along the way. God will bring you to your promised land. God will help you fulfill your dreams and your passions and all your longings. God will give you that opportunity. But you need to have the faith to step out. And each one of us before God need to recognize the areas of our lives that are holding us back. The things that we're doing right now, the way that we're living right now, may be holding us back from that amazing life that God has for us. And we need to take the time this week, this day, to ask God to forgive us for those things so that he can use us in the days, in the months, in the years to come. Get it? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can spend together. And God, we ask with all of our hearts that you would move in a powerful way that you would touch each one of our hearts, oldest to youngest, that you would give us a passion for something in our lives, Lord God, that you have for us. There are so many things in this world that need someone to be their champion, to fight, Lord God, the good fight, to overcome and face down the giants that are in the way. And Father, I pray, I, lay, I hold my hands out over this congregation and ask that you would speak to each heart that we would no longer desire mediocre lives, that we would no longer desire to live in, in, in the flesh, that we would no longer desire to just be, be satisfied with the crumbs from the table of the enemy, but that we would sit at your table and that we would feast and that we would desire all that you have for us and that we would pick up our swords we would find the mountain that you have for us and that we would take it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who does all these things through us. Amen. Happy New Year.